Roxo Media House. Welcome back to Fortitude, everybody. Brenton Payne, J.W. Wilson, welcome to the CapTech studio. Uh, we are Fortitude, fortitudefw.com. Uh, check us out. We got a cool guy in the house yeah, today, Brenton. Yeah. Ramon Romero. He said, oh. he said Romero. Not, he called him Ramirez a few minutes See, ago. that is not cool, what you just <laughs> did, big jerk. <laughs> Ramon Romero. That's pretty good. So this is what is how he treats me. JWS way better than most. Ramon, thank you for being here, sir. <laughs> thank uh, you. We've we known about you for a while. Brenton knows you more than me, but you have a cool life, a mm. cool story. Mm. We'd like to talk about it for a little bit. Yes. Um, first, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you here. I am um, even more glad. Our friends at CapTech ba- CapTex Bank, good, good people, good bankers, they welcome you as well. They're, uh, they're the reason for us being here. Do you know Mike Thomas? I do. Yeah, I do. it's CapTex. We might need to do some business. I think you sure. might. He's yeah. worth your time. He might yeah. be getting into the rock and stone and all, all that business. Hey, we can definitely make him happy there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> well, yeah. Ramon... Ramon, excuse me. I like the, the rolling of the R's. Yeah, you yeah. do. You are you're one of you're six. You're the sixth of eight children. Oh, we yeah. know this. Mm-hmm. You come from a uh, long lineage of um, Fort Worthians. That's right. Yes, mm-hmm. but originally you're from the Zacatecas uh, state in Mexico. That's right. Yes, Central Mexico. Can we can we start there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Zacatecas. Uh, dad was a. Uh, uh, you know, like Grandpa Farmers, beautiful piece of property that I was fortunate enough to go to. The last recollection, I think I was somewhere five or six years old. But Dad participated in the Bracero program, so he went to California in 1961, uh, seven years in the Bracero program. In What's that? What's the Bracero program? The Bracero program was the former wetback program, uh, because that's what it was actually called, the wetback program. You did get a wetback card. He still has it. Uh, 61 to 60, 68. And then he finally settled in Chicago, and then one of our family members moved here to Fort Worth, and we've been here since 1969. What brought him to California? What industry? Farming. Yeah, so he picked everything. So all the way, he was, uh, you know, people talk about Cesar Chavez and, you know, everything that he meant for the farm workers movement. Uh, My dad was one of those folks that came across as immigrant labor uh, because there wasn't enough workers at the time because we're just part of the Korean War and so on. So, yeah, he he was one of the volunteers that came to pick pick lots of grapes and lettuce. Yeah, 45 days at a time he moved around. So 45 days, and if your employer said you were a good employer, then you got to move to a different place. So he moved from California, Minnesota, Louisiana, Texas. He was all over the all country. All for farming? All for farming. And, and then eventually ended up in Fort Worth, Texas. That's right. Eventually okay, but i got to ask a question, like technical, on the wetback deal. Yeah. I thought that was, you know, the slang for, like, the the back wet from crossing the river. Is that what the meaning is, or is there no. something else well, from, like, the f- migrant farming deal yeah the feds the feds called it the wetback program so a lot of folks don't know that so if you look up the Bracero program you look up you know kind of what those folks went through from coming across this you know getting sprayed down with ddt to make sure there wasn't any germs on them to being put in camps and then they they worked so know? it had nothing to do with like swimming across no, the river no, kind no, of thing no, no. i mean that's just that's just slang and folks that don't know yeah okay I mean, google it well, there like, we go. If, if I don't la- need to. I got if, the real if, deal. If you're, la- if you're Latino, you'd say Googlealo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So you're a North North Side uh, um, resident. You were at that time. That's where I, the family. Uh, well, believe it or not, we're from Poly. We Poly. all moved into Poly. Um, all of us, the vast majority of my brothers and sisters, uh, either the magnet program moved around a little bit. I moved around to, the, to North Side through the magnet program. I thought I wanted to be a doctor for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, but we're from Poly, Southeast Fort Worth. Been there our whole lives. My mom still lives same place over on Avenue D. I still live over in Poly. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of hard for us to move out of the hood, uh, especially when mom's cooking is so good. You know. Yeah. Just you close be- with your siblings? I am. I'm fairly close. You know, some of us are not as close as I'd like for us to be, but uh, the vast majority of us, uh, my older sister, a lot of folks know her, Alicia Duran. She was at the Lena Pope home for a long time. Now she's doing some freelance work. Uh, sister's a nurse. Uh, Na- please name them for us. Okay. Uh, Juan, I'm sorry, Alejandra, Juan, Raul, Alicia, Rosa, Ernesto, Ramon, Alfredo, Jose Alfredo, and Catalina. My sources say that it was correct. I'm going to go ahead and yeah, yeah. agree with you. And my dad, yeah. my dad is Ramon. I'm, I'm junior. And my mom is Maria del Refugio Villavicencio. Lovely. Isn't it? Wait. The way he speaks, it just makes it sound more beautiful. I know. We, and, uh, we butcher everything. He doesn't look yeah. like a state rep, does he? I know. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> how come you got the junior, though? I mean, you're like six down the list. I thought that was for the firstborn. I was supposed to be the last child. And then my dad said, <laughs> eight years later, here comes <laughs> Jose Alfredo and Kathy. Oh, no. okay. And they won't, they won't be mad at me for saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, Your good. Your first job was at an ice cream parlor, Ashburn's Ice Cream Parlor. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, my first real job. My first, first, my first job was selling golf balls at Sycamore Creek Golf Course. Okay. And all I wanted to do was get the, enough to buy coke and a Nutty Bar. You go and find them in the in yeah. the lake and in, in the woods yeah. and stuff. We used to. There was some bamboos that grew up behind our house. Uh huh. So we would uh, take a box spring and pull one of the springs out, tie it with a wire to the bamboo, and we'd hang over the creek and pull them out of the creek. And oh no, kidding! Seventy five cents. I always got my coke and my Nutty Bar. I mean, for a free utility, like no cost, right to you? The utensil, the utility. Of oh yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It was cool. That's you super know? cool. They call them those ball grabbers, like today. Yeah, you know? we didn't have any of those. You should have patented made that. You should have patented that. Mm-hmm. I actually did. Bamboo. I went. I went and uh, testified before, or was a, a speaker at city council, and I actually took one of those old school ones to, talk, to tell, tell the story about that I'd been around from. golf forever. But you yeah, know, I'm I'm very passionate about golf. It no, you're a good golfer. I'm a scratch golfer. Uh, been a scratch golfer for a long time. But it's uh, because of the what it did for me in business. I, I wouldn't have grown my pool business had it not been for my skills on the golf course and some of the relationships I've I made through golf or the relationships that I maintained right. that way. So yeah. you Rockwood to, Friday mornings like that the home track Saturday mornings every uh, well twelve o'clock twelve o'clock every Saturday. Come find me. Bring your dollar. Dollar or two. Tarrant County College graduate. <laughs> yes. I did not graduate. I dropped out of college in my first year. It's um, worked out though, so there's a yeah. there's a lesson there, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. I had I had kids in high school, so I had a child support payment, and I had a wife and kids at home. And uh, TCC was a little slow for me. I uh, got my irrigation license doing sprinkler systems, and then that evolved into a pool subcontracting business, which I still maintain today. A fast tile and coping. That's yes? correct. Yeah. How yeah. many years old? We started in 1994, so wow, 28 man. years now. And I've, I, I hope a lot of your viewers recognize me because I've renovated lots of pools and worked on a lot Indeed. of really cool projects. Oh yeah. How yeah. involved were you with the pool and the coping business with the state rep job? Every day. Every day. Every, every minute day. and every yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. Every day. Yeah. I just just left a couple of jobs now. Nice. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Yeah. West Fort Worth is a great place to build pools. It says you have over 60 employees, uh, many of them local as well, or most all, of them local. That's incredible. All, we're down to about 40 right now, but uh, we're, we don't need 60. I, I was over 100 at one time. And Holy I, cow. And I said I won't do that again. I was putting about forty to 50,000 miles a year on my car, and that's too much time to spend behind, mm-hmm. a, behind a wheel. Going all over the Metroplex, you're doing it kind of everywhere, yep. not just focused on Fort Worth. From Stephenville to North Dallas, mm-hmm. you know, from Denton to yeah. Hillsboro, that's just too much time behind a wheel. Yeah. So. Successful businessman, local local guy who obviously knows a lot of folks. When did you decide in your mind that you're going to start 
serving, giving back to the community. Uh, my mom, she made me an altar boy, uh, you know, when I was a kid. You know, if Father Hoover back in the day didn't have somebody serving, she'd pinch my ear and say, go help. Mm -hmm. So I'd do that. And she invited me, after I moved out of our house, she invited me to a, a meeting. City of Fort Worth had a model block program going on. Five million dollars they were going to spend in our community. And I thought took interest. She said, come translate the meeting. I walked out the neighborhood president. And uh, Excellent. that's how it happened. You know, it's yeah. like, never looked back. I really enjoyed the fact that I could pick up the phone and tell people where to spend money. And uh, it's kind of been a passion of mine ever since. And Ralph McLeod and Mayor Mike Moncrief took a liking to me. And they both made sure that I was appointed to the key boards and commissions. I served for uh, 12 years on zoning and, and planning, chaired the planning commission, wanted to run for city council, lost by 78 votes to Kelly Allen Gray. And then beat Lon Burnham by 111. So I like close races too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> and you were, I mean, you know, that the race against Lon Burnham was kind of a pivotal one. You had a lot of support from not yeah. just your area and neck of the woods, but from the community wide. I remember yeah. seeing some pretty, pretty big faces at your mm -hmm. fundraiser downtown the first time we met yeah. uh, when you were running for state rep. Did, did those guys ask you and you were like, yeah, I think this is the logical next step? Or was there a passion of yours that you thought, oh, man, I want to be that Austin guy too? Or. No. I absolutely did not want any part of it. If you'd asked me that I, today, would I do it over again? I probably would not do it over again. Uh, it's cost my business a tremendous amount. But look, I mean, someone has to step up. If I, I'm, I'm of the belief that if, if the work isn't being done as well as it can be done, uh, then I'm, then somebody else needs to do the job. Mm -hmm. And and that's the way I felt about Lon Burnham. So I, I did it not because I wanted to be a politician, not because I wanted to write legislation. But just I, just I didn't think he was representing District 90 well. It's a Latino opportunity seat. It always was supposed to be a Latino opportunity. Latino community never won. So a lot of the folks in the Latino community are the ones that came to me and said, you have to do it. It's not a matter mm -hmm. if you want to. Mm -hmm. We need you to. I did it. Um, half the people that voted for me in my city council race had never even voted before. So I felt like if I had an impact on that one person's life and maybe I made them a lifetime voter, why not do a little bit more of it? So that's why I did it. You that's know, great. I'm still there. You know, I like it. Um, I've got people on both sides of the aisle. Lyle Larson is my best friend, Republican, who just just retired. Uh, he and I are going to be friends for life. We're going to travel together. We do travel together. Yeah. We play golf together. Um, and and I'm one of those folks that it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican. I'm gonna we're gonna go down and do the dang work. Yeah. And we need more people that want to go do the work. And uh, I try to lead by example. And uh, you know that's my I'm I'm a hard worker. When I get down there, I, I put my head down. I go get it done. And, you know, there's there's some folks down there that are trying to make a name for themselves, and it's my job to expose them. That's yeah. good stuff. So yeah. will you tell us about some of your successes as state rep and then possibly yeah. fin finish that up with a couple of things that maybe didn't go so, so successful for you? Well, so my wife is a mental health professional, uh, Dr. Marilu Romero. Um, she's amazing. Hope you see this show sometime, baby. Um, she's uh, she's actually on her way to Cancun right now. Did you have to Saturday. say that because she's a marital um doctor well that's one of the things i work on really a, a lot yeah she is a marital doctor yeah she works really hard at our she has to, she has to put things back together in our <laughs> marriage no um look i mean we work on a lot of mental health mental health access uh kind of cutting some of the barriers for other mental health professionals that are coming into the state mm -hmm. making sure that they can immediately set up shop we need help we need more we need more therapists and counselors in our schools so we're working on some of that uh i i'm very passionate about the immigrant population uh, one of the first bills I ever passed was a bill on ficheras, which are like these Mexican bars where girls are hostesses and they're paid based upon how much they can drink, not how hard they work. Oh, wow. mm. So these girls drink, you know, this is water, everyone, uh, but they drink, you know, beer after beer after beer after beer. Um, 
and it's it's it was really a terrible situation. Yes. Worked really real hard with TABC, great advocates. They've worked really hard for us. Need more funding. Um, all then, over the state or more down all towards over the state, all everywhere? Over the state, all over, there's, there's thousands of these bars that pay these ladies based upon what they, they basically get. They charge you $25 for their beer and they get $10 of it. So why not drink 50 or 75 beers? Mm-hmm. How do you do that? You go and you induce vomiting. And when I found out about it, it's like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to put a stop to that. And we filed legislation, passed it in my first year. We we're able to get that through. But my number one issue, and nice I said, that I will, I will quit whenever we are ever able to allow the undocumented community to access a driver's permit again. So it's my number one bill. I, it's my desire. I don't think that'll ever happen in my career because of the way we're going. But look, as a business owner, the worst thing you ever want to do is get a letter from the IRS that says this person isn't who they say they are. And you've already invested into gear, equipment, a truck, and now they can't drive anymore. There's businesses all over that are struggling right now to keep sure. people. And look, some of our best employees just happen to have not ever had a driver's license uh, or not, not ever happen to have identification opportunities. It's been about 10 years now. I think we should go back. Businesses need it. And how, look. How big a problem is it? It's huge. I mean, can you imagine if your dad went to go renew his driver's license and they cut it right in front of you? And now your sister has to go drive him to work because he's one of the most important people. That's actually going on in our community. A lot of these things are going on. But look, I mean, we're scapegoats right now. And I say that because, you know, my mom, when she came across, unlike my dad who came across legally, my mom came across the border with two babies in hand. She crossed that river. You didn't need to call her wetback. You can call her whatever she wants. She's just cook out of me. But look, I mean, I think we've been scapegoats for a long time. I'm, I'm there to, to make life hell on those people that want to, you know, make life hell on those people. So look, it's, we got, we have a lot of work to do on the immigrant community. I think that Texas has always been one where we embraced being Mexico's neighbor, George W. Bush, who's somebody I actually voted for, uh, believed that he wanted comprehensive immigration reform. We are far from that time. If it wouldn't have been for nine 11, I think we would have already gotten there. And we're just, we can't move the needle. And it's been over 20 years. We need to make it happen. Well, and it seems, too, that there's this, like, entire subculture that exists. Like, you talked to me oh, a little yeah. bit about those undocumented numbers. And yeah. it's like, it's a complete sub-city that, oh, yeah. or a sub-county. I mean, maybe say, if you can, spout off some of the, the kind of stats that you did about just how much of a, a population we have here and how much is un, undocumented that's just yeah. moving and grooving throughout Tarrant County. Yeah. So real quickly, we just went through redistricting and everyone knows that, you know, there was an issue between citizen voting age population and actual voting age population. If you look at the raw numbers of voting age population, those percentages for this district would be like, oh, my God, it's a 60 percent district. The problem is in areas like where I live, you might have 20 to 30 percent undocumented and or legal permanent residents, which Mm -hmm. means non-citizen, non-voting folks. That's why a lot of cities that have large immigrant populations actually allow folks, regardless of their status, to vote. But you just can't vote in federal elections. Mm-hmm. Now, that would be a dream if we could do that, because why wouldn't someone who has a child at Fort Worth ISD not be able to vote for who their official is or trustee is? They deserve that right. But, right. I mean, you're talking about an area of Dallas-Fort Worth that probably has close to 8 million people, and there are estimates that of those 8 million people, almost 2 million are either legal permanent residents or undocumented that means that you have a large population with a huge economy behind them. Mm-hmm. They're paying taxes, they live in homes, mm-hmm. they're they're building this economy. They're a big part of it. We're all a family, but they're just not really represented well. But hey, you can get me on on immigrant issues all day long. I'm not sure that's what you want <laughs> no, to do. No, it is. But if I could ask a kind of an off question that you made me think of, is there a general 
way that the immigrants are making the way to Fort Worth? Is there is there a like a pipeline that leads them here, or is it just them finding the best available opportunities? I think everybody in the country wants to be in Dallas Fort Worth right now. I mean, you can yeah. tell by our roads. Dallas Fort Worth is is the best place on earth potentially, just because of location, location, location. We all know you can get anywhere in the country three hours from right here, mm-hmm. and there's so many jobs coming here. Housing was somewhat affordable, so I think that. It's it's always been a place, especially for Zacatecanos. You know, Zacatecanos live in Chicago, Fort Worth, and L.A. Why? And because once your family started coming here and they say, hey, I'm in the construction industry, I'm in the pool industry, I'm in the meat processing industry, and they're hiring, then others came. Yeah. You know, and they came there because they had security, they had safety. And on weekends, we all kind of shared, you know, like my dad, he's a butcher, right? So every weekend in our community... You know, it was a hog, it was a goat, it was something, and we split it up. Why is the meat better at like a butcher shop like that? Because I've heard this. This it's, guy tells me, like the Mexican, it's like the it's the premier. Like I don't know why is that? It's pre-seasoned. I mean, there's it's always marinada, mm-hmm. you know. So it's marinada, and hopefully the person, you know, loves the animal a little bit. You know, we we always raised a hog. Yeah. You know, we raised goats in our backyard. You know, so so just the fact that you know how you fed them and yeah. You know, it just feels Did like you hear that vegan? I heard you. Okay. I just, it went over my head. Yeah. I'm lost. <laughs> we, we just talked about it. I'm kind of going that way myself. I'm, I know. I'm not I, quite I, pescatarian. It's not a, it's not bad. Like, because uh, maybe that's why, because you can kind of see from kind of farm to table. There's a lot that makes sense about that, you know, oh, yeah. without all the stuff going in processing. We need more local farms in DFW. We need to get back to where we're growing our own fruits. We should have so many farmers markets in this town. Uh, I mean, there's no reason yes, sir. we shouldn't do more of it. When I go to Austin and I'm around that town because it's it's just, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's all the folks in California moving down there, but whatever. The food is just it tastes a little bit better. The tomatoes are a little more juicy. Mm. You know, the vegetables are a little bit better. I don't know how far our vegetables are coming from. I right. know there's more and more every day. I'd like to see it close by so that, you know, people learn to do it in their own backyards. Yeah. Because, you know, that's something we're doing. We, Marilu and I actually have a, a little greenhouse. So, you know, we grow lettuce and we grow kale and anything else in there we tomatoes. should know about or not know about. <laughs> Come and visit. Okay. You might enjoy it. <laughs> Something in your something in his eye. <laughs> it's a tear, man. Ramon, so you you alluded to that the, the opportunities in Fort Worth for immigrants, legal immigrants, are plentiful. So it's yeah. driving a lot of people here. You and you mentioned the the work that you're trying to do to help these people. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing success? Are you making headway? Is it still a tremendous problem that's getting worse? What do you? How do you feel about where we're heading with that issue? Yeah. Well, look, I will tell you this. I think that the Latino community in in Fort Worth is very successful. If you're in the construction business right now or the service industry right now, the supply business right now, you're doing really, really well. Yeah. And in the 30 years that I've been in business here, I've seen folks go from worker to supervisor to part owner to owner. And right now, it, you, everyone knows you can charge whatever you want. So the fact that these folks are here and are successful, it doesn't mean they're undocumented, but these are immigrants that are successful. It is a really great place to be. Um, so I think that uh, it's kind of sad that we're not involving them enough. We're not engaging them enough. We're not doing enough things in Spanish. We're not welcoming them to the table because they have their own table. They have their own economy. You go down East Rosedale, you go down Northside Drive. I mean, there's businesses everywhere yeah. and everyone's kicking butt, you know. So the, the community is great. I, I hope that at some point, the uh, city of Fort Worth and the surrounding cities, uh, Arlington, Mansfield, you name it, uh, really just do a better job of, of kind of welcoming the diversity and, you know, just having a lot more fun with the community that we have. 
I mean, I think that's a great thing that we're almost 35 to 40%, you know, Hispanic, Latino in this city. And, and I think you saw that. If you went to Arts Goggle this weekend, there was some really cool I art. did. And it was finally some cool, like, Latino artists yes. that had a little bit different vibe. Yeah. You know, you know, I almost wore the Fort Worth, Texas cap because it was a Latino owner that, that sold it. And, you know, it makes you, it creates a lot of pride, you know. So I think that you're seeing in the Latino community a lot more pride. Folks that want to run for office, you know, they want to start businesses, and, and that's good for our community. Yeah. You know? And as we said before we started the show, maybe the Mexican food will get a little bit better. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Do you think, so... I'm gonna. This is kind of two phase question. You got all this local stuff going on there, but then that you go down to Austin and you have to represent a much larger body. So, what kind of challenges was that for you? Because you know this thing was: is Ramon going to stay kind of the local guy and take care? Or is he going to go down and because he's upwardly mobile, going to be this very strong state rep and representing kind of the Hispanic community at a much larger scale? So maybe talk about just what that's like. Yeah. You know, there's there's times when I feel like the the burden for a, a Latino like myself, who's you know, a couple of our members or family members are undocumented, I have to represent that community. I know it's not popular right now, but I have to. I'm getting chills thinking about it. You know, it makes me want to cry sometimes about it, because like farm workers still in this in this state are still being abused. You know, there's farmers that will invite uh, migrant workers to come, and they say we provide housing, but all you see is a, a shipping container. And they bring their families with them, their kids, their wives. And the shower is a green water hose. It shouldn't be the case in Texas. Yeah. You know, uh, they're still, we're, we're not expanding Medicaid. You know, we have uh, uh, kids in our in our schools that people are complaining that the cost to Texas is too great. And I say, invest in them like you invested in me. We're going to pay off. Trust me. Yeah. We're going to be fine. My family, you know, my, my, my business has probably done $150 million in the 28 years that I've been around. Mm-hmm. I think we paid our debt. And I think that the, that community is welcoming and ready to pay the debt. So, look, there's still so much need. Healthcare is incredible. Education is incredible. There's going to be another push to kill in-state tuition for the, uh, you know, the children of undocumented. You talk about the dreamers. Uh, you know, those attacks are all the time. Why? Because it's popular in the Republican primary. Mm-hmm. I don't care anymore what's popular. But I always warn people. I said, what's coming? What were they talking about in the Republican primary? It's coming. It's what's going to happen. So, you know, get engaged, you know, hopefully at some point. And I, and I don't I don't even care about Latinos voting Democrat. I want folks voting Republican that are going to shift that narrative of what's important to our entire state. Just get back to business. Pay your taxes. Believe in personal responsibility. Vote. Vote. But, you know, just get out there and, and go make a difference in your community. I tell kids all the time, I don't want to spend two hours of my day on things that I don't get paid for. But, you know, I wear out the My Fort Worth app. Yeah. You know, I, I go around town and if I see, you know, uh, you know, anything from litter to, you know, dogs to, uh, you know, overgrown trees or sometimes even my neighbor's trash cans outside. I tell my neighbors, don't wonder who called. It was me. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, yeah. You know, just do well, it, and you, you did know. that at like a place right by your business. It was a real unsightly park mm-hmm. and, and creek going through there that was filled with trash. And yeah. I mean, fortunately for you, you knew the right numbers to call. But I think you've done a pretty nice job of cleaning that up that people are really enjoying. And it, I would say it didn't take that much. I mean, I'm not trying to take away from it, but yep. it seems that that has become a much more beautiful place off 287 as a result. Well, thank you. It is yep. called Martin Luther King Freeway. And it's kind of sad that you go around the state or the country for that matter. And Martin Luther King Freeway always just seems to be a little bit dirtier. And my district engineer for the first two, I told every one of them what my desires were. The recent one came in and I said, you're probably going to be just like everyone else, which means you're not going to do anything about what I say. So the bar has been set so low that don't worry, you know, you're, you're just going to be just like everyone else. And 
I think he took it. Uh, you know, his name's Carl Johnson. I have to give him credit. The guy is just bending over backwards now and telling telling me like, I did hear you, Ramon, and I am going to clean this place up because you're right. Even if there are homeless camps, it should be clean in the homeless camp. Yeah. And you know, if I could get Richard Savala and the Parks Department on board, <laughs> uh, you know, that'd be great. But you know, Linda Christie over at TRWD did an incredible job. Uh, so we partnered with you know, uh, you know, the City of Fort Worth Code Enforcement, the Hope Team, uh, TRWD. Uh, the, the Texas Department of Transportation, TxDOT, everybody kind of got together. We're cleaning up the highway. It looks better. Look, when people come to Fort Worth, there's a lot of beauty in Fort Worth. But it shouldn't be dirty. Yeah. Absolutely should not be dirty. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, fortunately, Mayor Parker and I, um, you know, if, if we made a commitment that, that I was going to have an incredible relationship with my mayor. And I wanted her, her to be my, I wanted, I wanted to be her go-to in the state legislature. I know they go to Charlie a lot and they go to Goldman a lot. But for a lot of these issues, I wanted to come to me because we need to clean this city up. For sure. And we can do it. It's just one step at a time, you know, and the resources are there. Yeah. You know, well, and check this out. If you don't throw it out the window on the freeway, yeah. it doesn't blow down into the river. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I know that's a kind of a crazy concept yeah. for you to get over, Jada. but the bottom yes. line is. Thank you for is, yeah, is that Whataburger trash or whatever? Just leave it in the car till you get to the trash can. What I mean, a, I don't. People, a, I've seen it. I'm like, what? What year are we in? 1970? Throwing the trash out the window? Like, you got to be kidding me with why this. Why is he referring to you? I've seen his back seat. I know it's not me that's the problem. Because I don't throw the trash yes, out the window. That's what I'm I throw about. it in the back seat and don't <laughs> try to throw it in the truck bed because oh, I've tried yeah, that. It doesn't work. It flies out. Well, before yeah. we get too far off the topic that I want to ask you about, I think it's. I would like to ask you about this because I think you could speak to it really well because you mentioned a few things, but. What is it like for those who don't know? What is it like to be a, an illegal immigrant or undocumented immigrant in, in Fort Worth? Is it, a, is it a scary life life to lead? Are you always afraid of being uh, arrested, stopped? Could you give us a little insight on what it, what it, what it is to live as, a, as an illegal immigrant here? Have you ever smoked weed? I, I might have, yes. Okay, let's say, for example, if you just smoked a joint and your car smells like weed and you see the police officer behind you. You probably, you probably get pretty nervous. Paranoia, I think is what paranoia. they call it. So now imagine that's your life every time you get behind the wheel. Ouch. You know, it's really painful. You know, it's not, no one should live like that. And you know who really shouldn't live that way? That 15 or 16-year-old boy that's just trying to help his family survive by going out and taking a job. Mm -hmm. So now you're this kid that goes to school trying to, trying to make sure that he has a future. But at the same time, he has a responsibility of helping mom and dad pay the bills because rent is ridiculous now. So now he's going out after school. He's driving the car. He doesn't have a driver's license. It's probably a carcacha, which means a raggedy car. And and that's his reality. Right. You know, that's a pretty sad place. Now your mom and you you're, you're, you go to the hospital, you're sick, and they don't give you, you know, prenatal care, right? What's the deal with that? Yeah, how, do you, how safe do you feel that you're going to have a good pregnancy? But Tarrant County, we're one of the only places in Texas where an undocumented person just gets stabilized and sent home. So imagine you break your arm, you go out there and they tell you, well, thank God the bone's not sticking out your skin. Here, put this splint on. We'll see you later. Yeah. You know, it's just a different, it's a really strange place to live in Tarrant County where this population is working so hard to build the best economy in the country, but yet they're not being rewarded with, you know, tax dollars and so on. And they always, you know, folks are always going to argue that they're more of a burden than an asset. I would argue that, that we're a much greater asset than a burden. So, it's well, a, and, it's and, a scary and there's this huge dilemma with the data, right? Because you got to almost have the documentation to show that these folks are doing what you're saying and being yeah. good contributors to society, yeah. but they're undocumented. So it's this like perpetual cycle of 
we can't document it out of a, a lot of fear and, and these yeah. things. And then it just keeps going and it's just kind of grows. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, um, my dad says, Hey, it used to be worse. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. like, y'all need to stop complaining. It was worse. There was a time when it didn't matter if you got pulled over, you knew you were on your way to Mexico, you know, and that's, that changed for a reason, uh, because they realized that people were not reporting crime. I tell folks, you know, before SB4, you know, people would report crimes all the time. Now in my neighborhood, you know, you hear gunshots all the time. No one complains. There's no one. Mm. No one calls in and says there's that's going on. You know, so someone gets broken into. They don't call the police. So now you have crime that's not being reported. Mm-hmm. You don't want that in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, it just you spoils know? the data further, right? Like, yeah, it I really mean, does. yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 unfortunate. But, you know, I think that this is why America is the best country on earth to live, where we can change it in one election cycle. If you really care about it. They always say one, it only takes one generation to change a nation. Mm. I tell young people that all the time. Just it can be your generation. Is it or won't it? You and think that we're getting closer to that with this generation, or you think that we got a whole lot of talking about it on social media and stuff, and then Tuesday comes around in November, and, well, it's kind of rainy. I've been cozying up to Netflix. I just I can't make it to the polls today. Because, our, I mean, our, our polling, our, our visits are terrible, right? Yeah. I think right now people don't even know there's an election going on mm. right now. Yeah. And we have an important bond package. You know, we've got all these quality of life issues, parks and so on that we need to we need to make happen. Yeah. And, and we're potentially not going to pass it because you have folks on, on the other side that are saying you should just focus on police and fire and roads. Forget parks, forget community centers, which means where are those kids going to go? What do they do after school? Yeah. You know, which is important, which leads to high crime. Yeah. So, look, I mean, we're either all for the whole of America or we're for a part of it. And I think that this is a very uh, this is the land of milk and honey. And I think that we should uh, we should demand that that those tax dollars get spent on those extra spoils for all communities. Uh, but look, I mean, it's uh, just just get out there and do it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just real simple. I mean, I can't I, I don't remember the last time I missed an election. I think it's been I mean, I don't know, 30 years. I don't miss them. And then just and, it, and, I, and I take a lot of pride in saying that I'm not going to miss an election. Yeah, it's really simple. So just yeah. go out and get it done. You know, yeah. it's, it, it, it'll impact your life. Yeah. Is the voter yeah. turnout in the Latino community higher than the, the Caucasian turnout? Is there any relationship to that so so here's the problem the problem is there has been never been any community that's been uh, under resourced in terms of voter registration than the latino community as in fort worth as an example we've never had a state rep until until i came in office we only have one city council person we have no county commissioner we have one jp so if you're really trying until the latino community spread everywhere so if you don't think the latinos are going to vote for you why would you register latinos so you stay away from that community so on average uh, we are probably, let's, I'll give an example. So my district is about 65% Latino. District 90. District 90, uh, state rep. And we're only about 52% citizen voting age population, but only about 37% Spanish surname voter registration. So half of the district is uh, registered. So that means if we turn out at the same rate as an Anglo, which is about you know 50% on the, the, the presidentials, mm-hmm. then we're only turning out 17%. Of 65%. That's just not enough. Is that on us? Yes, it is. It's on us. It's also on the elected officials that have been there in the past that haven't targeted and specifically said Latino communities have a voice. Let's give them more of a voice. Let's make sure that they vote. And, you know, and now we have a conflict that we we're just kind of pulled in different directions. You know, we're we have different ideas. We're we're conservative. We're progressive. Uh, You know, we are. uh, We're we're pro immigrant. We're pro business. uh, But we're also pro, you know, you know, working on the effects of poverty. So, look, we're all over the place. We're never going to be a monolith. 
And and I think I'm okay with that. I just want more people to to get out there, like like yeah. Britain said, just go vote, man. Just well, and it's crazy because the numbers are all growing in that direction, but then the voting data is almost doing the opposite. It's mm-hmm. just it's the most kind of antithesis. Like it's it's crazy. It's young pe- young a, people are doing it though. It's yeah. great that a guy can speak for the Latino community with such passion. Like I, I applaud mm-hmm. you what you've done, Ramon. This is amazing. Yeah, is you. there a is there a best a best part of this job for you? Oh man, some there was a guy named Arthur Vidari um, who I used to play golf with, and I went to give a speech at Casada, which is over on Hempill, and and I revealed to these kids that you know I had uh, before I went to high school, my daughters Lindsay and Lauren. I'm sorry, before I had my senior year in high school, my daughters Lindsay and Lauren were born, and it, during my senior year, my son Gio was born, and and I didn't let that stop me. You know, I just went after it. I knew I was talented. I knew I was super smart, smarter than just about everybody I ever met. I, at least that's what I would tell myself. Yeah. And um, and I had a lot of success. You know, here I was, 25 years old, making half a million dollars a year. And how did that happen? It's just hard work. And so I see Arthur years later, and he says, "I just want to. I just want you to know, you changed my son's life." And I said, "What?" And he says, "Yeah, you gave a speech at Casada." And I said, "Okay, what did I say?" He just talked about, he came home and he said, I, I'm, I'm, this guy came and spoke today. I, I dropped out of school. Dad, I'm going to go to college. And he went to TCC. Mm-hmm. And two years later, he was accepted to Texas A&M. And when the guy graduated, the dad invited me. And just to see that young man, that I, I didn't do anything but just say, there's never an end. Yeah. There's always tomorrow and tomorrow can be way better than anything you ever thought or whatever anyone told you you were going to be. So just go kick ass, you know, and that's what I've been telling folks forever, you know, and the kid, the kid did it. And to this day, the mom and dad, every time they seem like, oh, my God, Ramon, we love you so much. I'm like, why? For just telling the truth. Yeah. You know, that's fantastic. So, I mean, that's it. So yeah, that, it that's that's really the best best part of it. You know, that Fichetta bill mm-hmm. that when I passed that bill. A lady that was working for the state, she says, do you know how many of these women become wards of the state? And Ramon, you just saved a lot of lives. And the fact that they can tell me those things, that those things come back, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is what makes it worthwhile. Absolutely. And, you know, look, this country needs leadership like never before. There's people out there, I hope they're watching your show, that know that internally they're pissed off and that they know they can make a difference. And I'm here to tell you it's easy to make a difference. You can make the city spend millions of dollars, the state spend millions of dollars, if you just pick up the phone and make them do it. Let them know that you're watching. So yeah. go get it done. Do you yeah. think the, uh, is, is it the, all these illegal immigrants or undocumented immigrants here in town, are they, do, are they able to approach you? Some, if they know about you, mm-hmm. are they afraid to step forward and, 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 and engage with somebody like you? Or is it easy for them? If, me oh, they, they engage me all the time. So we have an incredibly large group of, it's called the Club Zacatecanos. Uh, it is one of the largest clubs of Zacatecano immigrants, both undocumented and documented in the entire United States of America. Uh, I'd say here in Texas, we probably have about 400,000. Wow. Uh, so, and they all share their emails mm-hmm. and, and they, they talk to me all the time. Look, you make us real proud to be Zacatecanos and thank you for fighting for folks without a voice. You know, I mean, that's what it's about, right? I mean, isn't that where this country was founded? Taxation without representation, mm. right? I mean, hey, I'm sorry. I'm just repeating what's been done in the past. <laughs> you know, Outstanding. so um, five, take us like five, ten years down the road. You, you get this state rep thing going. There's talk back in the mayoral race. You do it. Not only uh, where is Ramon in that time frame, but where is 
where's the state of things here locally? What do you see? Well, I think that Fort Worth finally getting to the point to where we can get past the politics of the Trinity River Vision is going to be something that's going to be a game changer for Fort Worth. I, I've always been a supporter of getting more active and, and getting uh, just exercising more and living a healthy lifestyle. So the fact that we are we've invited people to the Trinity River, uh, you know, as much criticism as J.D. Granger got, uh, I, I always witnessed him come with passion about Fort Worth. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, Ramon uh, didn't run for mayor because I'm too young to run for mayor. And then someone younger got it. But OK, you know, it is what yeah. it is. But uh, look, I love this city. I will be in Fort Worth for the rest of my life. Uh, I will. I want to usher this city into the next uh, the next the next generation of of growth, which is healthy living which is farm to table restaurants, uh, which is one where we, we educate our kids differently, where we, we believe in all communities, where we can stop talking about I-35 and what happens on one side and the other side, where 76104 isn't the, un, the most unhealthy zip code in the United States of America. Yeah. I mean, those kinds of things have to change. And I think that it's going to change. I'm, I'm a believer and I am con- going to continue to believe in Maddie Parker, that she has her heart in the right place, especially when it comes to education. So there's your shout out, Maddie. Um, <laughs> But but look, I mean, I'm not uh, I don't know how, where I'm going to go in the future. I would like to make some sort of statewide run just to prove that we can talk about th- some of these things as immigrants and not be embarrassed about them. I think some of our immigrant population or, or sons of immigrants need to be reminded how hard our, our parents lives really were and, and what they sacrificed. Actually, uh, all pro dad was just here yesterday. Tony Dungy was there. Mm-hmm. And they asked me to say a few words. And I said, listen, my grandfather was an agrarian disciplinarian. It was all discipline. My dad couldn't wait to run away from it. So he participated in the Bracero program, which you can almost argue was slave labor, you know. And and then he came here to offer us the opportunity for the American dream. And you can argue that I might be the American dream realized. But through three different generations, there was never a father-son relationship. Mm. I didn't have a relationship with my dad. My dad kicked me out of the house when I was, in, when I was in the, in the, a junior in high school. I started paying my own rent when I was a, a junior and senior in high school. It changed my life. I was seventh in my class. And then I had, you know, then I had kids. Yeah. And I developed some other bad habits. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I mean. Like, this is happening again right now. There's a first generation of immigrants right now, and they don't have a parent-child relationship. Mm-hmm. And that has to change. Yes, sir. So I don't want, I, I, I don't want to not, I don't, I don't want to be in the place where I finally have a platform and I'm not telling that story. Yeah. And then the folks that are in power say, that's what we need to change. Well, I applaud you for what you're doing, what you will Thanks. do. You seem like the perfect voice for those who are most in need. I mean, that in itself, I, I, I wish you all the luck in the world. Yeah, thanks. Uh, whatever you're going to do with that, you, that fourth needs to be behind you in that regard. That's incredible. Uh, we ask our guests every show, aside from marriage and children, what is the best day of your whole life? Can you give us an answer? Possibly no family. You spent we spent a lot of time talking about family. No, I, I thought I was clear when I said that. Well, we've been clear, and everybody keeps going back to family. They keep just I, running I, us I over. I bet on he could. That. I bet he could get it. The <laughs> best day in my whole life. That is that is very difficult. But I can think of one thing that impacted me greatly. That was I was actually in church praying that I that I would take this burden from me, which I thought I was going to run. And I know that some people don't like talking about God, but. I literally felt like God said, this was your responsibility. And I opened my eyes and I was crying and I didn't even realize I was crying. And, and it was just so impactful that it just, it, I knew right then that I could not make a mistake that no matter what happened, I was going to beat Ron Burnham. 
And I ended up winning by 111 votes for those people that believe in numerology, look it up, you know, it's an angelic number. And I know that I was touched. And I know that that's a responsibility that I had. So is it is it great to know you have responsibility? I don't want to sit there and make people think like I'm some awesome guy. I make lots of mistakes. I'm a sinner like everybody else. And the fact that I felt like I was touched that way allows me to just live this life in a way that I, I live with no regrets. Mm -hmm. So my life changed that day. So really that for me was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. That's an to outstanding answer. That when you, when you beat Lon Burnham, when he called, what did he say? Or he never call? called me. He, he filed called? an election challenge. Come on. Oh, no. So it was kind of a call. That was a call down to the city or where, you know, to is, the county. Is Lon Burnham next that. on the show? Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. I want to be in the audience. Ramon Ramiro. Thank you for being here, my friend. Hey, thank you very much. Bro. Yep. Roxo Media House.